Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. <laughs> That's right, boys and girls. You should know what time it is. You know where you are. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. This week, guys, we're going to talk about taking control of your deals. It's an important topic, and I might be giving away those 15-minute consultation calls now for several years. Been at this for this podcast for about seven years. Talked to uh, thousands of people over the years. I've lost track how many. But And I've had a lot of folks call me when it was too late, and they made decisions or failed to make a decision, and then I had help, asked me to help them after the fact. So I'm hoping this episode sends you away with some information, some actionable things, that in a, in mind, in a mindset, so when you get involved in your deals, that you can be sure that you're doing things the right way and that you're safe, right? My goal here is to make sure that your transactions are safe and that you don't Put yourself at unnecessary risk as financial risk because the fastest way to lose money is to cut corners and allow someone else to be in control of your deals. And I'll be the first to admit, guys, as a realtor, I'm running the show, as you might imagine. I like to be in charge of the transaction. And I honestly feel that's because I know what's best for my client. And a lot of realtors feel that way. And there's nothing wrong with feeling that way. But we can, realtors, and when I say we, we can tend to be a little overbearing to our own demise. I've had a couple transactions recently where the other side of the transaction where I've focused, I've functioning as the realtor, where everything was fine, there's nothing to get excited about, but the other side of the transaction, their agent, whether it be the buyer or the seller's agent, because I do listings and of course I also represent buyers, gets unnecessarily spooked. They get wound up and they get nervous and they start twitching. And a lot of times it's, it's inexperience. They haven't been in the business a long time or maybe they're not good at solving problems. So they start sweating these things before they even become an issue. And it's unfortunate when that happens because the fastest, one of the fastest ways a transaction can go to hell in a handbasket and get derailed is that yeah, everybody's got to do their best to keep it together. I remember when COVID happened, everybody freaked out. Everybody said, oh my God, the market, real estate market's going to crash. I should sell my house now while the getting's good. I'm telling people, wait, don't do anything. Just pump the brakes. Give it a minute. And for the folks that took my advice, made a windfall in profits because this, the housing market went through the ceiling and they made a fortune when they went, those that had sold during COVID and post-COVID. I've been talking to people lately, several different people have come across several different problems that are all 100% avoidable. That's the good news. So I'm going to break these down for you, a couple of them here, a couple hot points that seem to keep recurring. But the main theme here is buyers and real estate buyers or practitioners, you're flipping houses, whatever you're doing. I want you to have be in control. Now, wholesalers, wholesalers, you all try to be in control. But the problem is that you're not really looking out for your end buyer. You have what I call in the real estate space commission breath. A lot of folks do. They've got commission breath where they're only focused about the closing because they need to get that $10,000 assignment fee so they can buy themselves some new Jordans or something. I don't know. Maybe get bottle service at the club, whatever it may be. They're not looking for the knock it out for the buyer. They're just trying to shrill up this contract to any idiot that could fog a mirror. As you might imagine, that does lead to, a problem, to problems over the periods. And I see the same thing with licensed real estate agents. A lot of real estate agents, they don't do very well financially. They're, they have a tough time. The ones that don't produce and don't sell a lot, they have a tough time financially. If they don't own any other real estate and they don't sell, guess what? They don't get paid a lot. And they tend to be, anybody would be that way. If you're starving, you don't have much money in your pocket. You start acting a little bit out of desperation. You start making decisions that aren't necessarily probably in everybody's best interest. And not that the real estate agents are terrible people. They may be the nicest people in the world. Maybe Aunt Sally, who knows? But they're not looking out for you. Just like the stock market, guys, the realtor game is rigged a little bit, I got to tell you, because you think about it. 
The realtors are usually getting paid from the seller's proceeds. Now, the buyer, depending on how you look at that, the buyer is the only one writing the check in the transaction, really, because the price of the house that the seller agrees to sell the house for, the realtor's commission has a lot to do with that. That could go either way. And everybody, I've had realtors say, work with me as the buyer's agent because you don't have to pay me. You are because only one of you, like I said, only one is writing a check. The bottom line is if you're buying a property, you're a buyer, I want you to be in charge of the transaction. It's fine to have a real estate agent representing you. I'm not saying that, but I, you need to be very directed to the point and don't let yourself be pushed around because what will happen is buyers and sellers, or I'm saying sellers sometimes, and their agents, and a lot of times even buyer's agents, wind up strong-arming buyers into making decisions that they probably wouldn't have made had they not felt pressured. At any time in a real estate transaction, if you feel unnecessarily pressured to perform, that's what we call a clue, boys and girls. That's a warning. And we need to heed that advice. Okay. That's silent advice. That's what I call silent advice. And we want to heed that and think, why is everybody in such a big rush? Why are they not wanting me to have inspections? Why are they downplaying all the things that I see to be a problem or invalidating my feelings or my concerns about problems that I see with the deal? It's okay as a buyer to be nervous. Okay. If you're not nervous, there's a problem. I've been buying property for 20 plus years and I am always have a degree of nervousness going through the process, especially these days, because I'm working with other folks' money in addition to my own. I am responsible to a whole bunch of investors in our real estate fund to make sure that I am being a good steward of their retirement accounts. That's a big responsibility and that's one I don't take lightly. So I am very cautious when I'm doing these transactions. I'm not out there willy-nilly just throwing it by the seat of my pants. And I assure you, when it comes to the transactions we do in the fund, ain't nobody running the show but me. I'm running the show. Mike and I, we're running the show. If we're on the buy side, we're running the show. If we're on the sell side, frankly, we're running the show too. And I get that it's tar- it's tough for both sides to be in control. But what I mean by that is, I'm not saying you need to be an overbearing jerk. What I'm saying is, you need to be very regimented in how you do things. You need to make sure you have your T's crossed and I's dotted. You need to make sure that your needs are being addressed 100% of the time. And that seems to be fading away over the last couple of years. I've seen realtors really not focusing on their clients in a lot of cases as much as I think they probably should. It's even involved in transactions I've been involved in where I've felt sorry for the other side of the transaction. So I'm, your realtor's really not, I won't, I'm not going to say that. Jeez, I'm surprised the realtor didn't deal with that better, but whatever, because there could have been a resolution here. And instead they talk their customer into just dealing with it, which is unfortunate. So a couple things that I want to talk about specifically is as a buyer, you need to control where the closing is done, who does the title search and who you buy your title insurance from if you're getting title insurance. Now I will say the U.S., as far as I'm concerned, is one of the only countries in the world that has title insurance. Title insurance is just that. It's an insurance policy. It's a profit center. Title companies, like in Florida, the amount of title insurance you can charge for title insurance is state mandated. But there is so profitable, the state and the insurance companies have gotten together and telecom has gotten together to make that price so expensive, so profitable that my friend Kevin, God rest his soul, he passed away this year, last year. He actually closed his title company in Missouri and moved to Florida because he could 10x his profits because the state set the mandated rates so high, but his costs were so much lower that his profit margins just went through the ceiling. So he literally closed his title business out of state to move here because he's legally forced to make more money. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, guys, but it does. 
So I'm a big believer in title insurance because what title insurance does is it insures you against title defects from the past. That's from behind you. It doesn't help you from issues that may arise in the future as far as new issues like, say, I don't know, contractor slaps a lien on your property after you've bought it. After they've bound that title insurance policy, that policy is no good to help you for that. But it will protect you from things that happened before you own the property as far as sometimes they got to pay people to sign their name to old and distant relatives. Maybe they didn't have the seller's authority to sell wasn't absolute. And now somebody's making a claim that they think they own the property and guys don't think this stuff doesn't happen because it does. There need to be maybe need to be some grease money where the attorney winds up giving these people 20 grand to make them sign and go away. And they will usually sign and go away if there's enough money involved. Would you like to write that check or would you rather the insurance company write it for you? Happens all the time, guys. Especially if you're buying properties where foreclosures, there was a lot of foreclosures, like in Florida. We had a very high number of foreclosures during the housing crash of 07 or 09, depending on where in Florida you were. And they, with that said, they invented what they call the rocket docket because there were so many court cases out there that were pending. The docket was slammed full. These people, the banks would not, and the lenders would never get their day in court. It would have gone on for decades. Literally, that's how big the backlog was. So some of the court systems within the state of Florida came out with what they call the rocket docket, where they basically sped up the trials, uh, put them in front of like in, in front of a general master instead of in front of a judge and things like that, so that the whole backlog of cases could be dealt with that much more efficiently. Now, there's good sides of that, and there's obviously some things that could go wrong with that. Because anytime you rush something, it goes haywire. So whether or not you get title insurance is up to you. And if you don't have a big bankroll behind you, it might be worth buying title insurance when you buy a property. Know this, when you buy property through a wholesaler and the contract is assigned or there's a double closing where it's an A to B, B to C, or what they call a double closing or a dry closing, title insurance doesn't cover that transaction. So if there's anything hokey that goes on, liens are overlooked and things like that. Your title policy, they, number one, they may not even issue you one, but if they do, there's probably an exception on there, which means that's something they will not cover. So you should know that going in. And guys, at any time you have questions about this stuff, don't ask your realtor, ask a real estate attorney, okay? Real estate attorney is going to be able to assess the risk and ask them, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen here? Is this going to be a problem down the road? And if it's going to be a problem down the road, how much are you going to charge me to fix it? You don't want to hear the attorney needs $50,000 retainer to fix a little thing that wasn't a big deal, according to the realtor. Instead, you want to know that it's a $50,000 problem so you can know how bad a shape you should be about it. Now, if the attorney tells you that's not a big deal, I've never seen any case or anybody's brought that's out of that's just don't worry about it, then fine. That's a different story. Know this. You can inspect. Next section here is inspect whatever you feel you need to have inspected. I once had somebody laugh at me because I wanted to have a sewer system scoped on these two apartment buildings that I was buying in a big old lot. It was uh, 25 doors or something like that. And I insisted on having a sewer scope. And the, the, even my, at the time I had a real estate coach, this is how long ago this was. My real estate coach laughed at me. He's like, you're wasting money on a scope that you're not, you don't need a scope. That's ridiculous. Flush the toilet. The poop goes out the pipe. What do you got to worry about? I'm like, nah. I want to have a scope done. Larry Harbolt told me, always taught me to make sure you have your plumbing scoped, your drain lines scoped. You get angry tenants. They can fill your concrete pipe, your waste lines up with concrete. I've actually had that happen to me. Wasn't pleasant. You know how much it costs to replace a six inch cast iron pipe in the middle of a house between walls? The answer is a freaking lot because I've paid that bill. It's not pleasant. So I have my sept- my sewer systems and septic systems scoped. I want to make sure that there's a clean path 
from the toilet all the way out to the street. I can tell you that at least 30% of the properties I have bought over the years and properties I have sold for people or been part of a transaction as a realtor have had sewer-related issues, 30%. To me, that's a big number because most of you listening to this podcast right now are going, I never had nothing scoped. If you didn't have a scope, you don't know there's a problem. And sometimes, even though there's an issue, you may not know about it for several years. But I'm here to tell you, when you do figure it out, it's not going to be cheap. And boy, wouldn't it be terrible if maybe you sold the house and a couple of years later you got served by a lawsuit because some the guy that bought your house from you thought that you should have known about that or it was reasonable that you should have known about that or you didn't disclose that problem and they haul your butt in court. And even if you win in court, guys, you could still wind up getting stuck with the legal bill and not to mention, more importantly, you get stuck with the wasted time and your time is valuable. So you want to make sure that you don't do that. So you don't waste time and squander time. Try to, in my opinion, at all costs, avoid situations where you get into non-refundable deposits. When somebody's selling a property and they're talking about they insist on a non-refundable deposit and they haven't even met you yet, that's called a clue also. That means there's something there that's going to cause most reasonable people to freak out and run the other way. And they want to make sure that when that happens to you, you can't run. That's what that's saying. That's not saying that they've had problems in the past because all buyers are liars and buyers are flakes and whatnot. That's not what that's saying. That saying is that they know something's up and they want to make sure they keep you locked in. They want to strip your rights. Same thing goes when it comes to buying, making offers on properties you haven't seen. At least have somebody, you know, if it's in a different market, I get you. I understand you can't get out of work. Like I sell houses down here in Key West all the time, million dollar houses that people have never laid eyes on. Not uncommon. But my team and I go through the property with video cameras. We Facebook stream, we are, I'm sorry, not Facebook, but we Zoom with them. We shoot a full-length video with them. They understand exactly what they're getting before they close on that property. Even if they can't make it down here, I always tell them, that's ah, it's a good idea to come down so you get a good feel for it. But I make sure I show them everything I can see, everything that's good, everything that's bad. I want them to be informed. Hey, guys, the last thing I want is on the closing day when I'm sitting there trying to buy you a cocktail at Captain Tony's that you, we drove by your house and you're like, God damn it, you didn't tell me that it was sitting next to a mortuary. I don't want to have that conversation with my clients. So. I make sure that I go over the top to make sure they know what they're getting themselves into. Make sure you have somebody like that on your team that you can send out there to get you on a Zoom call. Go through slowly with the video camera and make sure you understand everything that's going on. Okay. Do not let realtors or lenders downplay or invalidate your concerns. I got transactions right now. That's the case. Lenders saying, uh, we'll get to Brown do it when we get the paperwork. Don't worry. They always extend the closing. And I'm telling my client, no, they don't. This is a seller that has an attorney involved in the transaction. And the attorney can very easily consult his client. Hey, if you want to take this $50,000 earnest money, you can do that. So we don't want to get ourselves in that situation. Don't, you know, don't take that advice. If you're concerned about something, if you ask for a contract or an inspection period to be extended, then your team should follow through for you. If you call your real estate attorney or you call your realtor, because a real estate attorney is not going to blow you off. They're going to do it. But a realtor, I've had this happen like five times in the last week where the client has requested something. And these are people that are dealing with properties out of state. So I can't be their realtor because I'm not licensed in that state. But five people in the US that I know are in the last, I should say not the last week, but the last 30 days are going through different parts of real estate transactions. And they know me from the podcast where they call me and go, what do I do? Because my realtor's not really giving me any advice and I'm not really, I can't represent them understanding because I'm not licensed in that state. 
but I can at least give him what I would do. And in every case, I say, you need to give him instructions that you want the contract or the inspection period extended, or you in, you want more time to give an answer back on the appraisal or whatever it may be. And every time it seems like lately when they do this, the realtors, oh, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. No, everything won't be fine. You need to get those extended days because a contract is a contract, okay? Speaking of contracts, make sure you read contracts before you sign them. Guys, I have people sign contracts in my presence constantly. It's what I do. I sell real estate, right? I buy real estate. I'm an investor and a realtor. I'm used to seeing people sign contracts. I can tell you 99% of the time, people don't read diddly pop. I know this because I send them the contract to review and say, once you've had a chance to read through it, let's get on a Zoom call so we can go through and discuss it before you sign it. Nope. They're so damn excited that I get the email 10 seconds after I sent the signing invite that, oh, they've signed it. And I know these are not folks that are experienced. They haven't really read the contract. They don't understand the contract. I could put in there that at the closing, they got to give Tyler $50 million and they'd still sign it. Fortunately, maybe I should do that. I don't know, but <laughs> no, I couldn't do it. But you got to be careful, guys, because you never know what can be stuck, slid in there. I've had realtors change wording on contracts and not tell me, and I read every iteration of the contract before it goes to my clients. Or in my case, when I'm the buyer, I read every time a contract is, something's put in front of me to sign, I will reread. I drive title companies crazy. I will sit in front of the title company or I will, I'll say, can you sign that real quick? Now I'm going to review it and then I'll go ahead and sign it. I'll get it back to you in the morning. I really need it tonight. Well, you're going to be disappointed because I'm going to read it completely. And I'm going out to dinner with my wife right now, so I'm not going to read a contract. We'll do it later. Don't be embarrassed taking the time to read the contract. You take the time because in the end, what they're going to say when you sign something, then later you figure out you didn't read it. They're going to say, didn't you read the contract? And you can say, no, I didn't read the contract. I'm a knucklehead. And then you'll deserve whatever's coming to you. Unfortunately, I hate to say that, but that's the case. Know this guys, there is no shame in having an appraisal, have an appraisal done. I don't care if you've been buying property for a million years. I don't care if you're a cash buyer and you're using a, I don't know, one of those wholesale letters, get an appraisal. If you're not, if the value matters to you, if you're buying this property to flip it, you're not quite sure what ARV really is. Don't believe what the wholesaler said about 70% of ARV. Wholesalers don't know jack shit about ARV. They have no idea what something will sell for. I've had them show me comps of five bedroom houses when my subject property is a two one. I should have them show me 5,000 square foot sales when the subject property is 1,200 square foot. Wholesalers are liars. They are full of crap. Most real estate agents, for that matter, when it comes to sell price, are full of crap. That's a fact. They're embellishing. They're going to make it look in its best light. It's not a, don't be ashamed to insist on the time for an appraisal. If you don't want an appraisal, fine. But if you decide you want an appraisal, then insist on it. Again, I talked about this a minute ago. Have the sewer system on an existing property scoped. And if you're buying a property that has an old septic system that's maybe not working anymore, hasn't been used in a long time, let's say you buy a mobile home park and the mobile home park has septic tanks, have those septic tanks pumped and inspected. It's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks per to have it done, but it's money. You would be really upset if you buy a mobile home park or you buy a land, land that has a septic tank on it and no house. And you find out that because the septic tank has been not been used for so long, it's all dried out and it's defunct and you got to rip it out. In some municipalities, guys, that can cost you tens of thousands of dollars. Other places, it could cost you five grand. Depends on where you are and what the local rules are. But understand this, the environmental protection agencies in those markets are going to get involved. So you need to know what you're dealing with. 
I don't care what the realtor says about, oh, that's no big deal. You just stick a garden hose down there. It'll be fine. Nope. You may have to replace the drain field because it's plugged because it dried out and it, you could, maybe the tank is cracked. Maybe somebody drove over the lid with a car and, and broke it. And now it's got dirt down in there and that's clogged up everything. Could be anything. You never know, but you want to have the plumber come out there or a septic company and inspect that, have them run a scope from the, the last toilet out of the building all the way down to wherever it connects to either the, the sewer system and, or, or the septic tank. If it's a septic tank, have them go all the way down and into the tank. And if they can get access to it, have them pull up an inspection port. If there is one and look down in there, make sure do a visual inspection, a septic tank, have it pumped out, make sure it's pumped down. They spray it down. They pump it all out. It's a service. And I get that it's a benefit to the seller because now he gets a nice clean septic tank, which so do you, if you're buying the property. So don't worry about it. Have it inspected. You don't want to write $20,000, $30,000, $40,000, a $50,000 check for a septic tank and know this in a lot of municipalities. If you've got a septic problem or a sewer problem, like a busted sewer line, the city finds out about it. The county, they could condemn the property. They, they could shut it down and not let anybody live there. I had this happen to a friend of mine that had an apartment. Well, actually, shit, come think of it, it's happened to me. One of my buildings when I was investing in Memphis, the sewer line collapsed because the garbage truck that comes to pick up the garbage dumpster kept driving over the area. And lo and behold, there was a sewer pipe down there, a big one. And they crushed the pipe. And the septic or the sewer was backing up into... Every time somebody flushed a toilet, the first floor of these apartments was getting filled up with sewage. It was disgusting. I had to vacate because the city of Memphis had a conniption fit. I had to vacate the entire building. I had uh, 14 sets of apartments I had to empty in like right away. And I had to put these people in a hotel for the last minute. That was a treat, let me tell you. Fortunately, my insurance covered it. It cost me $1,000 for the deductible or 5000 for the deductible. It wasn't life-changing money, but... Thank God I had insurance and thank God it was covered, but doesn't, you may not have coverage for that. The way to avoid that is it had been like that for a long time. And finally, one day, the one last day that garbage truck showed up for the last time and it just let loose. It dropped so bad that the septic there, the garbage truck got stuck in a hole is bad. And they looked at it and I had a plumber come out there and you could see where it had been cracked for a long time. There are old cracks in there where this is just working and working on it. And it just wound up being a mess. Thank God I had a great management team at the time up there. They solved the problem. It was one of those things where they were having it, they were fixing it before I even knew it happened. Thank God. But could have gone a lot worse. <laughs> Glad it didn't. And there you have there you have it. Lastly, this is a big pet peeve of mine. It seems like these days everybody that can fog a mirror is a home inspector. I know every realtor I know that can't sell properties is either a transaction coordinator. Or a home inspector, pick one. The bo- the girls usually wind up being transaction coordinators or they go work for a title company and the guys wind up being a home inspector if they can't sell. What that means is you've got a bunch of morons running around inspecting houses a lot of times. Make sure your, your home inspector has some experience. Make sure that they have trained under an accredited association like ASHI or one of those. Make sure that they've got some client feedback. You should take them as a referral from somebody that's got a brain that's actually used them for inspections and for all by God, God love you. If they come in there and do the inspection on a big, on a house of any size in less than an hour, you got a problem. It should take longer than an hour to do a full home inspection, unless maybe it's a condominium where you're only inspecting the interior and maybe the air conditioner up on the roof. And that's all that matters. If it's a residential home and there's attics and basements and wiring and plumbing and all these different things, if they're in and out of there in under an hour, they're rushing it. And I guarantee you they're overlooking things that you probably should be aware of. Now, keep in mind, the home inspection's purpose is to inform you 
of defects and the likelihood of potential defects in the future. It's not there to guarantee you to blow out of the deal. So don't think that the home inspector is going to come ruin your day. Let's say, for example, the, I don't know, let's say that the fence posts are rotten and you're not paying attention because you got, there's bushes behind there and you think this is great and you miss that. But the inspector notes it. Now, you know that you're probably going to have to replace that fence in a couple of years. You know that before you buy it and to you, it's probably not a big deal and that's perfectly fine. But at least you know that, hey, I'm going to have to budget for a fence. Uh, property is going to get a big piece of property. It's going to cost me probably 5000 to put a new fence in. Now I can earmark that for my my uh, future and I know where I sit and then I'm not going to be surprised. There's nothing worse than finding out the day after closing, you start seeing all these things go wrong and then you start getting pissed off and then everything goes downhill from there and it just becomes a big hairy mess. So you can avoid that really easy by taking the steps that I just talked to you here. Now, guys, you're the one running the shots. Always understand, get in the mindset, be polite, of course, be respectful, but be in charge. It's your money. If you're writing a check for something, if you're paying for things, be in charge. Doesn't mean you have to boss everybody around necessarily, but don't take no for an answer. If you are certain that something needs to be a certain way, then make it so. You tell them Uncle Tyler told you that you could be in charge. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Understand that. Have him call me. I'll explain it to him. But all kidding aside, guys, hope you found some value in this. I hope these are tips that you can use and will keep you safe in your transaction. There's lots of sharks out there in the water. I don't want to see any of my friends and family get bit. Have a great week, guys. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.